Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca S., as in Frank, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Thursday, August 1st, 2019, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Somebody's unmuted. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 4, We Agnostics, on page 44. We will be reading and commenting on the fourth paragraph, which begins with, If a mere code of morals, and ends on page 45 with, They failed utterly. Today's readers are Nancy T., Carol R., Becca R., Katie G., and Leon B., The share ID numbers for yesterday, Wednesday, July 31st, 2019, are 13,219 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. That's 13219. And 13,223 for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. That's 13223. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Nancy T. to read the OA 12 Steps. Good morning. Thank you, Nancy T., Recovered Compulsive Reader in Lewiston, Idaho, this morning. The 12 Steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 
Ken continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy T. I will now ask Carol R. to read the OA 12 tradition. Good morning, Rebecca. This is Carol R., Recovering Compulsive Reader. These are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Carol R. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 4, We Agnostics, on page 44. We will be reading and commenting on the fourth paragraph, which begins with, If a Mere Code of Morals, and ends on page 45 with, They Failed Utterly. I will now ask Becca R. to go ahead and read that for us. 
Good morning. This is Becca R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Kentucky. Grateful to be here. Okay, let's see. If a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. But we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us, no matter how much we tried. We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but our needed power wasn't there. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. Yes, so I've got so much of this underlined. Um, And that just, there's so many different thoughts that pop up when I'm reading that, but just so many times that I'm going to start tomorrow. I'm going to start Monday, the first of the year, the first of the month. Um, You know, all of those just, and and I believed it. I really believed that it was going to be different. I was going to figure it out and it was going to be different. But what I see now looking back is I just wasn't capable. That was part of my story. I I had to um I had to have all those failures. You know, every last beautiful bite as one of our fellows says, you know, it took all of those failures for me to be beaten and broken when I came to the program to be willing to try this thing, to try this thing wholeheartedly, to try this thing that when my sponsor said, Are you willing to do this, this, and this, because that's what I did. And I finally say, yes, I'm willing. No reservations. No, I'm different. No more, uh, but you don't understand. That doesn't work for me. I was willing. And what I found was that willingness was the key to my success, to God's success. I'm so sorry. Yes, the willingness was a key to, to allow God to come into my life and show me that no, no human power is going to help me with this eating thing, but God can and will if he has saw it. And that's what I continue to try to do today. I try to live in that 12th step where I'm continuing to seek him. Um, if you're new, just hang in there with us. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what everybody else has to share on this passage. With that, I pass. Thank you, Becca R., If you haven't shared on this meeting in the past couple of days and would like to share on the fourth paragraph on page 44 in the big book, please press star 1 to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Lisa B. Lisa B. Anita B. Reba P. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me just write down Reba P. Okay, who was after Reba? Craig F. P. B. Melissa C. B. Russ and B. Wait one second. Wait a second. Melissa C. And Russ and something. B. (laughs) B. Lynn S. And Lynn S. Let's stop there. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And that's about as many as I'm supposed to take at one time. So even though you might want to share, hopefully you'll get a chance next time. But thank you so much. I was able to get those names down. Lisa B, Anita B, Reva P, Craig T, Pete B, Melissa C, Rose, Russ, Ann B, and Lynn S. Lisa B, please go ahead. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you so much for your service. 
My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. There's so much I want to say, and it's one of those times that I, I just wish I could just you know get it all out, and I don't know how to convey it. I was convinced that if I could just be a better person, you know, my problem would be solved. And there's so much depth to that line that I just shared. Um, that was so much of a big thing for me. Um, I felt like I had to prove my worth. You know, I had to prove my worth. And that it was all on my shoulders to to do this, to make myself be this better person and I would try so many things, you know, reading self-help books, um, trying to improve myself, positive thinking, affirmations. I even did prayer and meditation. Um, I tried so many things to just be a kinder person. But, um, you know, the biggest thing I want to share that I just feel really inspired to share is it was coming into this fellowship, coming into the program and learning about the the higher power, which is the one power, the only power and the only hope for me, but the other power in this program that supports me while I'm going through the process of the steps is the power of the fellowship. That's what really, really helped me and sharing my inventories with other fellows, sharing those things that were so painful and hidden in the dark, you know, and letting a light come in um, through sharing it with a fellow and then letting that light of this power, of this higher power come in and rebuild me, recreate me. Um, I saw that I don't have to make myself this better person, that it just happens as a result of doing the steps. And this is what I'm just trying to convey is the freedom that I feel today, the joy that I feel today of of coming out in the open and being who I really am in front of you guys. And it's a funny thing is so many times when I share these inventories, it's over the phone. You know, it's I haven't met so many of you that I have shared these things with. But that the miracle that has happened is that um, this better philosophy, this way of living has happened inside me as a result of doing the steps in abstinence and understanding who and what I really am, that I'm hopeless and that my only hope is to have this experience. This is what I wanted all along. This is why I ate, to have the effect that I have today, that I don't have to prove my worth and that I don't have to try and make myself be a better person. I just need to actively do these steps and it happens. So I hope that made sense, but I'm just feeling that today. So I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. Anita B. Good morning, visionaries. Uh, This is Anita B. from New Jersey. Um, Grateful I get a chance to share this morning because what jumps out at me is the word I. You know, I can be a great mom. I can be a good teacher. I can do this and I can do that. And it's, you know, what this paragraph tells me is that I have to change that completely and I struggle with that a lot but I know that if I don't try to change that if I don't depend on a higher power and this program and these steps then I'm going to utterly fail and uh, I don't want to I don't want to go back there to all those eyes I want to keep on trudging this road and uh, changing 
what I think I need to do because uh, it didn't work for me, you know. So I'm truly grateful for this program, for this this book, for this uh, phone line and meetings because um, that's what helps me have the strength and courage to change. And that's what I think, uh, you know, I need to do. So thanks so much for letting me share. Have a great day. Thanks, Anita B. Reva P. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. And uh, this paragraph is really speaking to me. And uh, there's two things that I've thought of. The first one is when they talk about the word morals, that reminds me the whole business of good and bad and how my whole existence before program was um, if I was what I used to call good with the food, I had a good day. If I was bad with the food, I had a bad day. And my whole um, value was tied up you know, the good, bad was related directly to what I did or didn't do with the food. But more than that, what's really striking me is the business of a code of morals, so my actions and a better philosophy and my thinking. If I could just have, you know, the right thinking and do the right thing and, you know, control, 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 um, I thought I could manage this illness. And, um, you know, I love where it says somewhere else in the big book, um, this is not a moral issue. I'm not a a good person because of the food. I'm not a bad person. This is an illness. It has nothing to do with good, bad, and it cannot be controlled by my human will. Um, I can't will myself to think a certain way. I can't will myself to behave a certain way because if I could, I would have, and I wouldn't be here. So I don't think it's about having morals. It's about having access to power. Um, and I don't have the power to change my thoughts and my actions by myself. Um, so I love where it says, you know, I can try and try and try, but the needed power is just not there. It fails utterly, like completely, um, which reminds me, it says somewhere else, when I straighten out spiritually, which is the last thing I want to do. I want to do the external fix. Please, you know, I'll do this, I'll get that, I'll achieve this, and then I'll feel better. But the big book tells me when I straighten out spiritually, when I access the power, then everything, the physical, the emotional, the mental, then everything falls into place. So such a great reminder for me this morning. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Reva P. Craig, I'm sorry I said Craig T because I hadn't finished writing your initial. It's Craig F. <laughs> I, thought, I thought maybe you thought it was Craig T. Nelson for a minute. No, this is Craig. This is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, thank you for hearing my name, hearing me. Um, this paragraph and the next one that we'll do tomorrow. Are, were a watershed for me. They they really were, and 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 here's here's why. You know, I I, um, I spent my early life, my first forty years, um, with the concept that that 
I, I believe that God, I believe in God, and I believe that God uh, would forgive me. But what I really thought was that it was my job. God has made the rules, whatever those rules are, and uh, the moral rules. That, um, and it was my job to do that, to follow that. And when I couldn't follow it, and I couldn't follow it, that, um, you know, I felt... Uh, less than I, I felt bad, and and at, at the uh, but I knew I thought at the end of my life that when I died that God would judge me, then He would forgive me, and that was that was my concept of grace was that I would be forgiven. Then the idea that God would help me in the meantime, that God would would provide the power for for me to uh, live a, a better life was foreign to me, you know, uh, I, I, I just thought, he, you know, he told me what was right and wrong and I go try to, and, 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 you know, even today, even today, I, I, even with the power of God that comes through a spiritual awakening, I don't always do what I know I should do. You know, I get locked up in myself sometimes and I, and I don't act in the way that I, and, and then I realize it later. But here's the other thing that 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 I've come to understand, and that is that I'm just a human being. That I'm a f failed or flawed, a failed. I'm a flawed human being. That that um, you know, no matter what I do, I'm not going to be perfect. But that God loves me anyway, and that other people love me anyway, even with those those flaws, and that. Uh, when I don't forgive myself, when I don't accept and receive the forgiveness that's offered to me, that that builds up as guilt and remorse, and that blocks me from feeling God's power and seeing God's power. You know, when we get to our inventory, we're going to inventory our resentments, our fears, and our guilt, and and uh, you know that's and we're going to inventory those because that's what gets in the way of our relationship with this higher power. That's what blocks the flow of this power. That, that, uh, and that's why the needed power wasn't there, is that I block it with all that buildup of human emotion. And uh, so today I don't have to live like that. Today I can live in surrender and I can pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Craig S. Pete B. Thanks, moderator. My name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater recovered today by God's grace and mercy. And I appreciate how, you know, what we've read so far, what we've studied so far from the doctor's opinion through Bill's story, there is a solution more about alcoholism. All in my mind are designed to break down the individual. You know, one to identify, right, so that you make sure you can confirm that you have this condition as defined in the doctor's opinion, right? The medical assessment of this, of this condition is that we're beyond human aid that no human power could relieve it. And we need to find something outside of ourselves, a great, a, a spiritual awakening, if you will, in order to recover. That's for the real confirmed compulsive overeater, right? And what this is telling me, if a mere code of morals or better philosophy of life, well, what, what is the 12 steps? It's a, it's a code of morals or a better philosophy of life, of which if I'm practicing them as a practical program of action and not a method of connecting and aligning my will with the God of my understanding, 
and I've just really adopted a practice, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, have a, a better code of morals and a better philosophy of life, right? The entire, this entire thing, our entire success, in my opinion, is dependent upon how I can grow and develop spiritually. And this 12-step recovery program is a process for me to incorporate to develop and grow spiritually. It's not about my philosophy. It's not about my code of morals. It's about how I grow, right, and how I get closer to that power. You know, we talk all the time, you know, the, you know, the, the, yeah. my understanding is that this fellowship, this we that we talk about, never got one compulsive over year abstinent and recovered, right? If we truly have this condition, it comes down to the power, right? There's only one problem with we. We are human and we have no power. We have to tap into the power that's going to get us to that point of recovery, that's going to drive us, that's going to keep us from taking that first fatal bite. You know, and I'm so grateful that, you know, I don't, I, I have to give credit where credit is due, right? And that credit goes to the, the God of my understanding. We read it every day. Every day we read it. It says there is one that has all power. All means everything, right? If that means if there is one that has all power, that means there's, there's no other power. This is all power. That one is God. May you find him now. With that, I'm truly grateful, and I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Pete B. Uh, Melissa C., before you start, let me just let anyone who got on the line late know where we are. Uh, Again, this is Rebecca F., and uh, we read on page 44, the fourth paragraph at the bottom of the page, one paragraph. It's a mere code of morals. Go right ahead, Melissa C. Hi. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service this morning, Rebecca. I'm Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, I, you know, I have morals. I always had morals. I always had codes and values and um, even philosophies. You know, I, I, my parents taught me right from wrong. I did not, you know, miss those um, lessons, right? And, you know, I I knew it wasn't appropriate <laughs> to scream at my loved ones, right? And, um, you know, I knew that, like, throwing temper tantrums wasn't nice. And, um, you know, I knew it was, like, really important for a family's well-being that a mom be engaged and involved. Um, you know, but I constantly lived outside my own codes, my own morals, my own sense of right and wrong. You know, um, I would tell people, like, I I loved the earth. I'm an environmentalist. But I threw garbage out the car window, and I, and I littered, you know, because I had to hide my wrappers. And, um, and I'm the honest woman. Like, I was, I was the Girl Scout leader. I was the mom that was the Girl Scout leader who stole the candy, you know, who stole the, the cookies. Um, I lied to my husband about what I ate. I, I um, lied to my employers about why I was absent for different reasons. And, you know, and I stole from housemates and I stole from coworkers. And this is what it means, I, I think, to be an addict. Like, the, the addict doesn't just damage the body with food. Like, I damaged my body with food because I even knew what foods were nutritious. I had plenty of diets and food plans. I wasn't lacking that. I couldn't live in agreement with those diets and food plans. And, 
you know, I damaged my body, but I damaged my spirit because I couldn't live aligned with my own moral codes. And, you know, that's what it means to be powerless. I didn't have the power to be the woman I wanted to be physically, and I didn't have the power to be the woman I wanted to be, like, spiritually, emotionally. I just didn't have the power. My human resources, they're insufficient. And um, and that was an ugly truth I didn't want to look at. So every time it would pop up again, I ate it away because I didn't want to see it, you know. Um you get to a point, I got to a point where I knew I needed a power much bigger than me. I didn't need another food plan. Um, I didn't need anybody else defining what alcoholic foods were. I really knew what my alcoholic foods were. Um, I needed a power much bigger than myself, and I continue to need that power every day. Yep, to live aligned with my moral code. And um, that's why it's Step three, you know, step two is I know there's a power, and step three, I turn myself over. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Melissa C. Russ Ann B. Good morning, everybody. Rebecca, thank you for your service, and I'm so happy to be here with you all. Um, I was a compulsive overeater from an early age, and um, being an overweight kid is um, a, a, a real big hardship, and so I spent about 30 years of my life chasing weight loss, and I did all the things the rest of you have done, and perhaps more, but at about 30, 35 years old, I realized my problem wasn't food. It was my human emotions and my inability to handle my human emotions. So I sought self-improvement. And I thought it was the right road, but I have to say the word self, I now understand, is not where my focus should be to be recovered from this disease. As I am today near Detroit, by the way, um, I found therapists who specialized in eating disorders. I went to personal growth workshops. I, I read books. I knew that if I could just understand, if I could just understand and be a better person, I'd be able to resolve my addiction. Well, that wasn't the answer. There was something in the back of my mind that told me that I needed to seek God. And so I went to a religious-based weight loss camp. I went to a spiritual commune where they restricted my eating. And, of course, none of that worked. What worked was being introduced to this program and being so desperate, hitting a bottom so, so deep that I was willing to surrender to my higher power and work these steps. And, you know, I can look back over my history and see decades wasted in the food, thousands of dollars spent in chasing the solution, but I can't regret the past. It all brought me to where I am today, living a life with you that I wouldn't trade for for anything. I'm going through um, a big challenge in my life right now, but I haven't picked up. And the thought has not crossed my mind to pick up. And it's a miracle. Um, I know that what I need to do is I need to do everything I can to maintain and grow my conscious contact with God and lean into the steps 
And for anybody who's out there that's new and feeling hopeless, I hope you can climb on board because this is a program that will work and we're here for you. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Roseanne B. Lynn S. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovered compulsive reader in Toronto, Canada. Boy, this paragraph just took me back to what life was like pre-program. Get up in the morning. We wish we could be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. We could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. And I would go through all day knowing what I wanted to be, knowing what I should do. And it's not that I don't know right from wrong. It's that I can't do right from wrong. So I failed utterly that day. And I go to bed and I replay the whole day over and over and over in my mind. And then I get up and I live it all again. And oh my gosh, the misery, that discontent, disconnect between what I knew and who I wanted to be and the way I wanted to react to life and life situations, and the utter failure with what came into my head and what came out of my mouth and the feelings I felt when somebody said something or didn't say something or looked this way or didn't look that way. Day after day after day, with no hope in sight. Oh my goodness, it's just the transforming powers of this incredible program that we have. It it always astounds me. It puts me in awe. I so believe that this program was divinely inspired. I see that picture, you know, like the hand of God sort of touching, and I see touching Bill W. as he sat there writing out this text for us so that we could recover. It's just a miracle. I am so grateful. I am so grateful that I don't live like that anymore. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Linus. Okay, if you haven't shared on this meeting in the past couple of days and would like to share on the fourth paragraph on page 44 in the big book, please press star 1 to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Laura M. I think I heard, was it, wait one second, was it Laura M? Yes. Okay, and Stephen G. And I think there was another voice at the same time. Bob Shaw, okay. Could could you say your name again? Chuck K. Chuck K. Yeah, uh, can you okay. hear me, Rob Y? Uh, it was a little difficult, but uh, Chuck K. Correct. Uh, and Rob Y. That's oh, Rob Y. Rob Y. Yeah. And Chuck K. No wonder I'm having trouble. 
Anybody else? Vasa O. Vasa O. And maybe one more. Anyone else? Rachel P. Rachel P. Okay, let's stop there. Laura M., Stephen G., Chuck K., Rob Y., Vasa O., and Rachel P. Laura M., go right ahead. Thank you. Am I still unmuted? No. Yes, you're still unmuted. (laughs) Okay, thank you. I wasn't sure if it had timed me out. This is Laura M. in Missouri, uh, walking in recovery one day at a time. And please forgive me if I um, end up sounding a little shaky this morning. When I read this passage this morning before the meeting, I had a very physical reaction to it. Um, I, I could feel within my body and like almost on my, I don't know, my soul or my cellular level, I could feel this sinking sensation. And, and as someone else, it really, it took me back. Um, and for the first time ever um, since I was introduced to this book, I connected with the understanding that I was agnostic and I liken it to um, the image of, you know, somebody drowned or, you know, somebody that's dying of starvation while surrounded by food. Um, I, as a young adult, I joined organized religion and, you know, I was seeking to fill the emptiness that I had and I was immersed in information and in the culture and in the fellowship, but it never sank in. And I just felt emptier and emptier. And I, um, I wished and I wanted and I willed and I said the right things and I did the right things and I followed the script and I just felt emptier and emptier and emptier until I walked into a 12-step program. And... I sat at the tables and I listened to you all share your experience and I could see that something different in your eyes and I didn't understand how you could talk about um, a spiritual solution when you weren't talking about the higher power that I had come to understand but when it finally broke through, when I was finally able to set aside what I knew, <laughs> knew um, and be open to a new experience, that, um, that, my, that my higher spirit did break through and did give me an understanding that took me out of agnosticism that I didn't even know I was living in because um, I didn't know. I thought I knew, but I did not really have any concept. I didn't know my higher spirit. And this program has taken me beyond that into a place where I can know my higher spirit. And that's, to me, what this paragraph is is all about, is that um, having that realization, if that's true for you, um, and I've spent a lot of years not even understanding that was true for me until just this morning. So... Um, I'm always finding new reasons to be grateful for this program. So thank you all for for being there for me, and um, I pass. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Laura M. Stephen G. Good morning. 
my name is Stephen G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Can you hear me? I'd muted, but yes, I can hear you, Stephen G. Go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, grateful to be here this morning. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. And so when I hear that, I think about being comforted by human ideas or theories, either my own or of other people. And I learned in the doctor's opinion that as a compulsive overeater, I'm restless, irritable, and discontent. And there's absolutely nothing that will comfort me except the spiritual experience of a higher power. And so I had to put down food and I had to take the specific actions that were laid out for me in the 12 steps to experience that spiritual experience. And when I did, I got a level of comfort that I'd never gotten before in my life. And then it goes on to say, our human resources as marshaled by the will were not sufficient. They failed us utterly. And I tried my ideas of how to put down the food for years and finally got to a point where I was so dejected by failure that I was willing to look at something else, um, particularly the, the program of, of Overeaters Anonymous. But once I put down the food, I realized that my ideas or my morals and philosophies about other things also failed utterly. But a dependence on a higher power could help with those as well particularly my self-centered defects of character. No matter how many ideas and philosophies I had about how to change those things, I couldn't do it. Similarly, managing my emotions. No matter how many ideas and philosophies I had about that, I couldn't do that on my own. And finally, my relationships with other people. No matter how many ideas I had about that, I could not make those peaceful until I'd had a spiritual experience and this higher power was doing it for me. Um, so I'm very grateful for that and I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen G. Chuck K. Hey, good morning. This is Chuck K. from Georgia. Can you hear me? Yes, I can, Chuck K. Hey, uh, I am so thankful to be on the line this morning because I'm learning a lot. And one of the things I'm learning is how important my conception of God is and how I'm growing with that. And, and even this morning, I heard someone's conception of God that I related to, that, that, that God is some great high power and he gives us all these laws and I just got to go and do my best. And that's turning into a God that's sitting right next to me that if I ask God for help, God will give it to me. And the only thing stopping that from happening is me not asking. So much in program that I see is about maturity and I have been a very immature person. And, um, but then also it's, it, go, it leads me back to just doing the simple things that I need to do, such as asking and then listening. And that's really all it is. And the paragraph reminds me of how confusing and complicated and uh, how loud my life can be if I allow it. And program teaches me all I have to do is turn to my right or my left and ask God and listen for the answer, and it will come. Every morning I'm reminded, relax and take it easy. Pause throughout the day. Well, what do I want to do? Man, I want to figure it out. I want to control it, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. 
and I think I'm doing the right thing. I don't even see that I'm not asking God for direction in my life. I think I'm following the steps. I think I'm following program, but really I'm not. There's a prayer that talks about that I don't even know myself well enough to know what my direction should be. So I'm thankful to learn, and I'm thankful to be on this road, and I'm thankful to be on it with everybody on the line. But I'm also thankful for a God that loves me enough as I am, not as I want to be, to answer my questions when I ask. So thanks for thanks for everybody sharing this morning. I'm just glad to be a part of this meeting. Thanks, Chuck K. Rob Y. Yeah, thank you for meeting uh, Rob White. Um, I've been to a couple of these fishing for you, although I've listened to a few as well. Um, I know this passage very well from other programs. Um, I've never really been able to get a grip around it with food. Um, I have a lot of fear around, I'm a perfectionist, I have a lot of fear around controlling food, although obviously not about controlling food. Um, I um, I want to do a food plan. I want to kind of get some sort of grip. But it's just ridiculous. I'm bordering on bulimic at the moment. And um, I'm finding it very difficult to get outreach with people in a way. I, I used to go to face-to-face meetings, but um, never really got any outreach there. Um, yeah, I'm finding that quite quite tough. Um, so I don't really have any connection outside of meetings. Um I have so many binge foods. I mean, we're talking hundreds and hundreds of binge foods. I'll binge on pretty much everything. So one of my fears is if I get rid of all my binge foods, I'm really not going to have a lot left. I can eat, I can eat lettuce and cucumber um, and, and maybe tomatoes. That's about it. Pretty much everything else I will binge on. Um, so there's a lot of fear around pretty much losing most of my food and, and, and getting rid of pretty much all the stuff I enjoy. Um, but it is ridiculous at the moment because the shame that builds up from food is uh, is horrific. It sends me completely suicidal. And although I'm in another program at the moment and my sponsor in that program said, look, don't do any other programs, you've got to stick with this one. Um, I need to do something around my food because, uh, yeah, because it's just so damaging for me. And... Um, and I do have issues with powerlessness. I have done all along because it, it seems like I can control it, as I can with all of my addictions. Some days I'm okay, some days I'm not. Um, but it's, it's a mind trickery thing going on. In some ways, recovery's been very well for me at the moment, but around the food, I'm finding it's quite tough. And, um, yeah, I would really appreciate some outreach. I did get some people sent me some um, texts last time, but I haven't spoken with anyone. Uh, and I, I really, I could do with some, some daily calls or something. Um, uh, so, yeah, and I do want to go. I don't know if that was one minute. I didn't hear it. Sorry if I did. Uh, um, yeah, so I could do with some help on sort of, I don't know, putting some foods down or something, or get an idea of how to do that or something, because I'm just pretty clueless with it at the moment. So uh, I'll leave it there. Thanks for meeting. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Rob Y. Um, hopefully, you can leave your number at the 
end of the second hour, or if you're a newcomer, announce your name then and get on the contact list as well. Vasa O. Yes, good morning. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service and everybody's service this morning. And I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader calling from uh, Foxborough, Massachusetts. And uh, I used all my human power and energy trying to put the food down, and I failed over and over each time. I could put the food down, but I could never keep it down. So I didn't know anything about food addiction or eating disorders till I came to Overeaters Anonymous. Somebody introduced me to the program and the 12 steps, and I'm just so, so grateful. I just knew I loved to eat, and I didn't know they called it food addiction. But anyways, uh, I I had a moral um, values. My parents taught me what was from what was wrong, what was right. And, uh, you know, I tried to be good and, you know, do everything right, but I could not put the food down. I was so powerless. And I I had hit bottom. And my sponsor said, we, you know, you have to find a power greater than ourselves. Otherwise, we cannot do this by ourselves. And And that was true. I took an inventory over the years, how I tried to put it down by myself or going to places, having other people help me, go to the Weight Watchers, go to diet workshops, go to all these different places, but I didn't know anything about allergy either. And um, doctors would give me diets that said, well, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And they included some of those um, toxic substances and substances that I used. Oh, well, you could use this once or twice a week or whatever, and that would set up my compulsion. But I I didn't know anything about allergy. So I'm just so grateful I was given this big book, and I remember at that time saying, well, I'm not an alcoholic. I don't know why you're giving me this book. And then they just said, cross alcohol and put food. So it's uh, in spite of the grace of God, you know, my higher power, which I call God. Whatever you want to call your God, it works. And that was the only answer to my problem, coming to the program and follow the directions the way they are laid out in this big book. And I found hope finally. That's my time. I found hope, and this was the only thing that's worked, not with just the food, with everything in my life. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Rachel P. Good morning, my fellows, and thank you so much, Rebecca, for your service this morning. My name is Rachel P. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Denver, Colorado, um, but I am in Detroit today for work, and I'm so grateful to be on this meeting. I normally call into the later meeting. Um, I'm just, I've just been thinking um, during this meeting that how the disease had me for for so long. It had me for, I mean, in the scheme of my life, it had me for 20 years. You know, it started when I was a young girl, and it was 20 years of of internalized shame and diet and trying to find books and 
programs and solutions and then restriction and over-exercise. It was 20 years of that, of, of thinking that I had the moral or philosophical solution, that I could figure it out, that I could conceive of the solution, but I failed utterly over and over again because it is not a moral or philosophical issue. It is a spiritual issue. And as it relates to my relationship with my higher power, I gave up on God really early on in that 20-year journey. Um, I was raised um, in a religious family, and I, when I was 12 years old or so, I, I told my mom, well, you know, when I pray at night, I feel like I'm not praying to anyone. And she didn't have any answers for me, and so I gave up. I gave up on a concept of God, and I became an atheist, um, and then I became an agnostic before I came into the room. And um, I just had to have the willingness, and when I came in, I I couldn't use the word God because I hated God. I hated the concept of God, and, and I, I didn't like the male pronouns. I didn't like this idea of, of this omnipotent being up in the sky ruling over everything, but I just used the word trust because it, I just had to be willing to believe that there was something that was greater than me that had the power that I didn't have. So I, I just used the notion of trust uh, with humility and that 20 years of pain and anguish and loneliness was gave me the gift of desperation so that I was willing to get on a food plan and to get abstinent and then find a sponsor to work the steps. And the steps say that we have, step 12 says we have a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. And so I found that that, that gift was given to me as I worked the steps. You know, for example, in my seventh step, I got on my knees and I asked God to remove my defects of character. And I felt this incredible sense of, of peace and gratitude wash over me. And and then working through up to step 12 and working with others, I have been gifted with the spiritual experience. And, and that's just incredible for somebody who gave up on God as a, as a young girl. And um, I'm so, so grateful for this solution that it is a physical, nice. mental, and most of all spiritual recovery. And it's been given to me because I've been willing to humble myself and, and have this relationship with my higher power. So thanks for a pass. Thank you, Rachel P. Does anybody want to take a one minute to share? We have one minute left. I'll share. It's Fran M. Great. Fran M., take it away. Uh, it's a good discipline for me to sh- share briefly. Uh, um, I just want to share it's really good to be on this meeting and hearing how a belief in a higher power um you know, mine is just sort of goodness, um, ultimate good, the best goodness in the universe, the strongest, the best, the wisest. And um, it's just a really great reminder because there are so many times in my day where I feel worse because I make the wrong choice and I do feel better making the right choice. I just want to share um, unexpectedly, I have to go see my mom who's in the hospital today and it's a very long trip for me and it comes at a bad time and um, I didn't sleep last night and I just know that higher power will give me strength to get through it, to figure out a way to get my meals even though it's going to be difficult and um, just to get home safely 
and um, to do service, not to go there and complain about how long my trip was, but to go there and really think of how I can make my mom feel better. Um, and I can't do it without the help of this program, and I'm always available for phone calls while I'm sitting on the train all day today. So good to check in, and thanks for giving me this, letting me steal this minute. Thank you so much, Fran M. Good luck to you today. Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. When I checked, there were over 400 people on the line. The share ID number for this meeting, Thursday, August 1st, 2019, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 13,226. That's 13226. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Katie G. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, my fellows. A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do for each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.